Good morning, St. Paul's. It is wonderful to have those of you in the sanctuary joining us, and for those of you that are home or traveling and watching us, thank you. For those of you that are watching from home or while you're traveling, I invite you to either like our page or to leave a comment that lets us know that you are watching us and staying part of your church family. Couple of announcements before we start. One, um, this week, coming week is St. Paul's, uh, when we're volunteering with Project Transformation, the reading program. If you haven't let Donna Dunkerson know that you wanna be a part of that, and if you have a background check already on file, we would love to have you joining them. I believe they're doing that Tuesday and Thursday, but you can check with Donna. Friends, it is my dear pleasure to introduce to you our guest preacher today. Uh, Reverend Tish Malloy is the <coughs> Director of Transitional Ministries for the Oklahoma Annual Conference. What that means is she is the person that any church that is either having to close its doors for financial reasons or is working on disaffiliate, disaffiliation, Tish is the person that they go to first. And so Tish, we know that your job is extra difficult, especially right now, and please know that this church is holding you in prayer. Before I tell you a little bit more about Tish, I will tell you that there have been some <clears throat> emails circulating under the guise of, as of coming from our bishop. Here's what you all need to know. Bishop Nunn loves you but he is never going to send you a personal email. It is always going to go through a church. So if you ever get an email from him, um, please let me know um, so that we can let people like Tish know. Um, as we mentioned last week, unfortunately when we deal with separation, there's always some ugly that happens and sometimes that's happened. So please uh, just let us know if you do receive an email <clears throat> from the bishop that you know is not from the bishop. Let me tell you about Tish. Many, many years ago before I ever even thought about going into ministry, some, I had never heard a woman preacher. Some friends and I were talking about it and I said, I've never heard a woman preacher. And they went, man, there's this really good one at Village United Methodist Church. Well, I didn't remember the name, but I remembered the church. So I looked it up, and that, I think, was probably before social media was huge, huge. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> but I found out that Tish Malloy was there. So a friend of mine, we drove from Norman, and I was so excited to hear this person named Tish Malloy. And we get there, and it was a beautiful service, but it was a guy with cowboy boots preaching. So I thought, eh, I must have had the wrong church or something. I let it go. And then I became involved, many of you know, with Epworth United Methodist Church. And uh, lo and behold, Tish and her husband Dave started attending Epworth when Tish was the director of missional ministries. Volunteers in mission. Oh, our VIM, that's right. So she was the director of that, and she started coming to <coughs> Epworth. And I went, oh, that's the person that I was supposed to hear. What you all need to know about Tish is like Twyla, Tish was <clears throat> some of those, one of those early female clergy leaders that paved the way so that I and Emily could come afterwards. And I got to know Tish when she was at Epworth. That's when I got a chance to hear her preach and realized what a prophetic preacher she is. But it was also Tish who more than probably just a few other people helped me to hear my call to ministry. 
I saw in Tish what can be a female clergy. She and I were good friends, and when I was going through that wrestling stage, I will never forget it was Tish that looked at me and said, oh, Kathy, God is working on you. Uh, when I was ordained, Tish was one of the two clergy that came and laid their hands on me, and so Tish, I cannot tell you what an honor it is to have you at St. Paul's. So would you all please help me welcome her? Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks. We give you thanks that you called us to this place today. That whether you called us here in the sanctuary or here at home, you called us. And so God, we know that we don't have to ask you to be present. You're here waiting for us. So instead, God, we ask that you help us to remove the distractions, open our hearts, open our ears, take away the to-do list that often goes through our mind and just let us be present so that during this time of worship, through song, through word, through the <clears throat> interaction we have with one another, we are able to experience the risen Christ and leave transformed. Amen. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, income, nationality, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. Yes, friends, all are truly welcome into our family. Let us go to God in spirit of prayer. Gracious God, we come before you today a people who sometimes struggle to have faith. I read recently, O oh God, that young people in our country have a hard time believing that things will ever be good ever again. And who are we to blame them when we sometimes fight those same fears? Everywhere we turn, there is division and heartache, pain and sickness, war and violence. And so today, here we are to pray a healing balm over our world, our country, our church, its leaders, and for ourselves. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for a world that is stricken by war. We pray especially for those in Ukraine who have taken up arms to defend their country, who day by day watch as innocent civilians are targeted and brutalized. We pray for those who have survived and those who have not for those who are displaced, and for those who remain. We ask that those in the midst of unspeakable violence and bloodshed would not lose heart, that you would plant within them the faith of a mustard seed that would grow and flourish into the hope and strength needed to sustain them. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray also, O oh God, for our country, a country that is so accustomed to violence, it has become a footnote in our everyday lives. Even normal activities carry the threat of harm. A trip to the grocery store, a celebratory parade, a day at school. Nowhere feels safe. We are somehow a country that simultaneously shouts the sacredness of human life while ignoring the horror in our wake. 
It is easy to believe that we cannot push back against such culture, that we are powerless against it, that it's ingrained into our very being as Americans. But we would pray that you would sow within us the faith of a mustard seed that would grow and flourish into the hope and strength that we need to seek a more peaceful country. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray too for our church, for the church universal, that it may be filled with truth and hope and compassion in its every form and expression throughout the ends of the earth. We pray especially for the people called Methodist. For right now we are within the midst of a divisive and at times ugly divorce. So where there is corruption in the church, purify it. Where there is error, direct it. Where there is anything amiss, reform it. And sow within us the faith of a mustard seed that would grow and flourish into the hope and strength we need to see us through this chapter and on to the next. O Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray, O God, for the leaders of our church, for the bishops across the world, but especially for our bishop, Jimmy Nunn, for conference leaders like Tish, who are navigating an impossibly difficult situation and faced with very difficult conversations on probably a daily basis. For our clergy who must lead their churches with integrity and grace, even whilst their parishes are often at odds. For lay leaders and congregations who are committed to their ministries and one another, who are discerning the best way forward to serve you, O oh God. So sow within each of these the faith of a mustard seed. And we would pray that that mustard seed would grow and flourish into the hope and strength to see your kingdom come. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And finally, O oh God, each of us now lift up our own silent prayers to you. We ask that whatever burdens are felt within the hearts of those gathered here and at home, that those feelings would be assuaged by your loving kindness as you plant within each of us the faith of a mustard seed. May we hold on to its promise through all the seasons of life and that even when we are surrounded by the darkness of the soil, may we rest in knowing that you will grow us in hope, strength, and most of all, love, and that your kingdom will come. And so we pray through the dark, through the dirt, and push ourselves into the light as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we read the gospel, I have a few things I want to share. Jesus taught those gathered around him with stories and parables. There really is something about a story. It captures us. Just watch a child, I mean, 
Uh, do you think your kids here could be any less exuberant? <laughs> I'm very impressed and appreciated the children's message very much and, and everybody's involvement. But when we think about stories, one of the images that immediately comes to my mind uh, is always children. How, uh, just think about a child going to the books to pick a, pick a book for you to read to them. And they make their selection. It may take a minute or two, or not, right? They bring it to the person who's going to read to them and then settle in. Sometimes it's on their knees right in front of you. Sometimes it's crisscross applesauce. Sometimes it's snuggling on a lap or lying in bed getting ready to rest for the night. And almost inevitably, as the story begins, for the youngest child, either the thumb or the binky goes right in the mouth, right? and the eyes follow the pictures on the page and you had better not skip a word they've heard before when you've told that story because they know it and they do that until their eyes close in sleep or they beg you for what? One more story. Just one more. The parables of Jesus are stories. And they teach deep and abiding and complex truths using the simplest of images. For today's primary biblical text, I chose some of the remembrances from Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verses 26 through 34. The writer of that text recalls some of the ways that Jesus taught his friends and the crowds that were gathered with him about what the kingdom of God not will be, but what the kingdom of God is like, what it's always been like and always will be like. So now, Please stand or rise in spirit as we hear together the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ from Mark chapter 4. I'm reading using the paraphrase called the message. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does it all without his help. First a green stem of grass, then a bud, then a ripened grain. And when the grain is fully formed, he reaps its harvest time. How can we picture God's kingdom? What kind of story can we use? It's like an acorn. When it lands on the ground, it's quite small as seeds go. Yet, 
Once it is planted, it grows into a huge oak tree with thick branches and eagles nest in it. With many stories like these, he presented his message to them, fitting the stories to their experience and maturity. He was never without a story when he spoke. When he was alone with his disciples, he went over everything, sorting out the tangles, untying the knots. Here now, or this is the living word of God for the living people of God. Thanks be to God. Before Pope John the 23rd was Pope John the 23rd, he was Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli. That was the name of one of the greatest leaders of the last century, Angelo, was the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church from 1958 until 1963, a short but eventful five years. Now, this might be a fact or it might be a legend about him, but either way, it's a good story, a parable about Angelo and the Holy Spirit. It is told that before he went to sleep each night, Pope John XXIII ended his prayers by saying these words, not to God, but to himself. He'd ask himself, but who governs the church, Angelo? You or the Holy Spirit? And then he would simply respond to himself, saying, Very well then, Angelo. Sleep well. Who governs the church? You or the Holy Spirit? Kathy, you or the Holy Spirit? Me or the Holy the Bishop? All the bishops or the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit that governs the church. Just a little over a month ago, around the globe, we celebrated, we Christians, we celebrated Pentecost, the day when the Holy Spirit made it clear that the Spirit of God governs the church and includes everyone. And it's not you, and it's not me, and it's not Angelo or any other person. All of creation, church, is governed by God. Do we have power to influence creation? Certainly. In all things, we human beings are able and we do make choices that are in alignment with the loving intention of God and God's hope in us or we make choices that harm God's hope in us and for us. But if His Holiness, the Pope of Rome, the leader of the Roman Catholic Church, reminded himself 
every single night that God alone is sovereign. And if he could rest, and if he could sleep well, with the assurance that no matter what our circumstances, God is with us, doesn't it follow that we can too? Reverend Dr. Billy Graham is believed by many to have been one of the greatest evangelists for the saving love of Jesus Christ who has ever lived. Reverend Graham is quoted after the attack on the United States that we commonly call 9-11 as having said these words, I have been asked hundreds of times in my life why God allows tragedy and suffering. I have to confess that I really do not know the answer totally, even to my own satisfaction. I have to accept by faith that God is sovereign and is a God of love and mercy and compassion in the midst of suffering. Even Billy Graham wrestled with the questions you and I wonder about, and Emily, your beautiful prayer that we prayed about today. While he lived, he wrestled with those questions too, and honestly said that he did not have answers yet to satisfy himself about how our loving and almighty and all-powerful God can allow suffering and tragedy to exist in the world. But he decided to believe in God as sovereign, the highest of powers. And he said that he could believe that because he saw God's hand in the love and mercy and compassion that he and others received in the hardest of times. Church, we don't have to think back very far to remember the most recent of many times when we wondered how in the world is this evil possible if God is good. And I don't know about all of you, but most days I do try to follow Jesus and believe in his saving grace. And I try most nights to sleep as well as Angelo. But there are many, many, many times when I do wonder, why does God allow sin and suffering in this world? And it's hard to sleep well. And maybe, maybe that's true for you too. Dr. Graham said that we can know that God is with us by the love we are offered and the compassion and mercy that we are given in the hardest of times, in the times when you cannot explain how you are putting one foot in front of the other, except to say that there was help in many forms. 
And if you believe that help was and is ultimately from God, if you believe the kindness of that neighbor or friend or whoever came alongside you in those very difficult times is God's love and power and compassion, then tell your story and be that person for someone else. That is how the kingdom of God grows. That is how God's love is shared. When the seeds of love and compassion and mercy are thrown on the ground of our sorrows and we don't know how it happens, but we are strengthened and we're nourished to go on. But if today you don't believe that God really is sovereign and present in times of trouble, and if like so many people in this world and people all around us, you too are really angry about evil, and suffering and God not stopping it, then I want to say something to you today that may surprise you and it may surprise some around you. If you doubt God's power and presence in this world right now, that's okay. It's okay. I hope and I pray that someday you will believe. But faith in God is not a path to take without telling the truth about our doubts. And God knows us, each one, and loves us, every one of us. As the good old hymn goes, just as we are, even with our doubts. A few years back, my husband David and I were called to an emergency room, and we were told that the doctors and the nurses had done everything they possibly could, but that our youngest son, Sean, had died. He was 21. He was a good young man with his whole life ahead of him, or that's what we thought when we woke up that morning to greet the day, but that changed in the blink of an eye. When we learned that our friendly and handsome red-headed Sean would not live another day with us. And you had better believe that we had then and we have right now questions for God about why Sean's life was cut so short, why our other children had to go through the loss of their brother, and frankly, friends, it was not the creeds of the church, and it was not the Holy Scripture. It was the amazing love and compassion and mercy that we received so beautifully after Sean's death that helped me to keep on believing that God is with us.
I wasn't going to do that. But you, you sang that song. <laughs> the point I want to be sure to make is that it is so important for us to acknowledge that sometimes having faith in God is a tremendous challenge for us and for the people all around us. And church, we are not here to have a church full of believers who have it all worked out and who never question God or each other. Let me repeat that. It's important. We are not here to have a church full of believers that have it all worked out, know-it-alls, who never question God and never question each other. We exist to embody God's love, compassion, and mercy with our very lives so that the Spirit of God is powerfully evident in and through us. And here's the amazing thing. You don't have to be, and I don't have to be, a spiritual powerhouse like Angelo or Billy. Not sure I'd want to be. You don't have to be, and I don't have to be, the perfect Christian. No, Jesus says it takes just this much faith, faith the size of a small seed for God's spirit to grow that faith in us so that it is evident through us to the precious beloved children of God who do not yet know how precious and beloved they are. Reverend Clementa Pinckney was with his church on June 17th in 2015. Clem, as he was called, was soon to graduate from our United Methodist Wesley Seminary, Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C. And he was about to become Reverend Dr. Pinckney. But that will never happen. Along with eight members of his congregation at Emmanuel African Methodist Church in Charleston, South Carolina, he was gunned down at a regular prayer service held every week to praise God, to lift people up, to pray for the neighborhood and the nation and the world. They were people like you and me. In fact, they were our brothers and sisters in Christ, citizens of the realm of God. And that night, there was a family that learned that their son, that their brother, that their nephew, intentionally killed those people because he was a racist with a gun, and he could. That family 
And that young man, church, are also our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. In and through the love of Christ, even those who don't yet know they are precious and beloved children of God are our family. What do we do with a love like that? How do we follow Jesus and love like that? Even our enemies. Mrs. Poplin is long gone now. I had many great teachers all through the years, but she was the greatest. You can probably think about a teacher who's influenced your life for the better, too. And you know, when we think about those people, we don't say that our very best teacher was easy on us. No, we, we never say that. Most of us could describe our very best teacher as being someone who expected and anticipated a lot from us, who believed in us, and who helped us to learn and grow, right? Well, Jesus was like that and is still like that. He invited people, and he taught people, and he invites us and teaches us today to really think very deeply. And he challenged them, and he challenges us to think and act in surprising ways, sometimes in ways that surprise even us. It's easy to think about the saints praying at the AME church that night as our brothers and sisters. But Jesus stretches our understanding of family to include those who are related to the person who shot those Christians and the shooter himself. Why would he do that? Well, he challenges us in that way because God is in the redemption business, not the demolition business. And if God does not want to demolish but build up lives, then we are called to do that too, starting with ourselves and reaching out to others, especially those in the greatest of need. Being a Christ follower, a Christian, is a beautiful and constantly challenging abundant life. That's one of the many gifts that God gives to us. Another gift is this. I don't have to and you don't have to do it all perfectly but we become closer to God's perfect love in our faith when, like Angelo, we are ever mindful 
that ultimately God governs the world. And no matter whatever happens with our brother Angelo and with each other, we can do our best to simply live in the will of God and then sleep well. May it be so. Brothers and sisters in Christ, go now in peace and perseverance to love and serve the people of God and to be a person of God. And when you need the love and the service of the people of God, to also be a person of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, go now in peace. Amen. <laughs>